Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Everything I learned from movies Helps to make life a little bit Dana Goulden is accomplished writer, producer, podcaster, actor extraordinaire, and comedian who joined us back in December to discuss his illustrious career. However, he's back again to tell us about the upcoming third season of the show that he created, Stand Against Evil, and his new graphic novel, Planet of the Apes Visionaries, that's based on the original screenplay by Rod Serling, and of course involves Planet of the Apes. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Gould was kind enough to join us once again on Everything I Learned from Movies. There you go. Hello. 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 Uh, is the, hi, how are you? Is the audio working? Okay. Yep, uh, checking it right now. If I could just get a one, two, three from you. One, two, three, and the headphones are, the mic is working. That's what I'm checking. Perfect. All right. Looks like we've got you. Yep. We're good okay, on there. Right. All right. It's working. Good to see you guys again. Good Likewise. Ah, Thank you. Thank you so much for coming back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like what I like. <laughs> hey, he's not sick of us yet. Yay. <laughs> How's the weather up there? Pretty nice. It's a nice foggy yeah, day. But it's the best time of year up there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I love the fog and just kind of mellow, very very <laughs> subtle and mellow. <laughs> are you in the city or are you in the in East Bay? We're in the East, East Bay. We're yeah. just outside of Berkeley in the Richmond Annex. <laughs> I know I know where you are. I, my, old, uh, uh, my old girlfriend was from Alameda. Oh, oh yeah, excellent. Yeah. My, uh, my partner in art is in Alameda. All right, season three, Stand Against Evil, coming up Halloween on IFC. How, uh... What, what can we look forward to? Uh, well, it's funny. I, I think that the, the the second year is better than the first year, and I think the third season really makes a leap from the second season. Um, and uh, just in terms of, you know, we, we've, we set the, the mythology of the show is, is, is in stone, and we kind of did a lot of the, the, the big stories that we wanted to tell the that you would think you would tell, uh, you know, we did our American World of London parody, we did our, you know, Burn Witch Burn parody, we did all that stuff. So by the third season, we really were uh, able to push to push it a little bit. And um, our, our two craziest episodes are both in the third season. And, um, and by the end of the season, we really um, make a big leap in the mythology of the show. We really... Uh, uh, push past the mythology of the show by the end of the third season. So uh, uh, I was really, uh, uh, really, really, really happy with how it came out. Excellent. And, 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 much, and it's funny. It's crazy funny. Excellent. Or most importantly, 
<laughs> I actually think most importantly, as I asked it, asked at Sketchfest, if it's not too big a spoiler, how many monkey-based realities are we going to run into? <laughs> Oddly, none. Oh. But we do, we do for a for a show that takes place in a small New England town on a limited budget. We do have a Godzilla parody. <gasps> <laughs> Old. Now, see, yeah, I, we, have a, we have a whole Kaiju episode. Uh, we have the Mothra twins are in it. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's really uh, it's, it's really it's really something else. Oh my gosh! Uh, <laughs> and I hear uh, international star uh, Eddie Pepitone may be making an appearance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Smooth-skinned, almond-eyed Eddie Pepitone makes an appearance in that in that episode. He is, oh. he is in that episode. Yeah, it's uh. David Kackner and Eddie Pepitone are uh, Excellent. and, and, the, and uh, are not playing the Mothra Twins, but are in the <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Major spoiler that. alert there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You would think they would be. Uh, no, it's, it, it's, it's really great. And, and, um, and yeah, we have uh, Mike Mendez, who is a director, uh, directed Big Ass Spider and Don't Kill It and a lot of great movies. Yeah. He, produced, he, was in, he produced a movie I was in. I was in as an actor uh, called Tales of, Tales of Halloween. Yeah. Excellent and, movie. Um, great, film. great film. And we were talking, and, and, and um, oh, thanks. And he, and, and he said that he had this idea for a short that he never uh, never made, uh, and, he, and he pitched it to me. And I said, oh, you know, I'll buy that, and we can turn that into an episode of the show. And so Mike, Mike wrote it. He had to join the Writers Guild. And, uh, and, uh, and wrote it, and it's sort of our version of uh, Meet the Feebles. Um, and and uh, what's great about the show, and it's the, the whole point of the show originally, uh, was that it, it's uh, like a Trojan horse that allows me to parody all of these things. That I, I like <laughs> That's there really should be. A, you'd think that there would have been an eight episode so far. Yeah. I'm surprised there hasn't been. There's always season four. I mean, you know, fingers crossed. <laughs> we do have a we have a we have a joke, but that's it. We don't have to do yet. Yet. Was it been, yeah, yeah. beneath the city of Miller's Grove or whatever? <laughs> it's close. It's close. Yeah, you'll you'll know when you see it. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Excellent. Well, you mentioned David Kechner uh, coming back as well as Eddie Pepitone. Uh, any other? Uh, Star cameos you can uh, release, or Maria, uh, yeah, Christopher Mintz Plas from Ooh. Superbad. Yeah, uh, in our, uh, I love him. It's in our. Um, uh, it, it started off as a Dark Shadows parody, and then became a Vampire Diaries parody, and ended up being a telenovela with vampires. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's in that one. Oh, so and, good. Uh, and then um, uh, Maria Bamford. Uh, oh, is yeah. in the show this year, and uh, yeah, we have a lot of really funny, uh, a lot of really funny people. I know I'm, I know I'm forgetting someone. I, oh, and uh, and uh, and also uh, Valerie Posse. Uh, we have a we have a crossover episode, although we don't have a licensing. But um, <laughs> for for all intents and purposes, Mulder and Scully come to Willard's Mill and, and are pestered by a. A uh, pesky reporter who wears a straw hat and a seersucker suit. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> you just so combined all my favorite things in the universe. Yeah, that was our. That was yeah. That's the second episode. It's 
felt we were really, uh, I said, no, I'm, we're going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know, it's X-Files EX hyphen files. It's completely different. It's X-Files. It really was, uh, a, a, that was the real fanboy geek out. And um, <laughs> Rob Cohen, who directed the season, uh, is an old, 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 writing partner and, and a very, very, very close friend of mine. Um, I first met him um, when I, uh, I crashed in his office at the Ben Stiller show. So we've worked together <laughs> for a long time. And, and we did a show together on MTV in the 90s called Super Adventure Team, which was, uh, yeah. it was Team America, but before Team America. <laughs> and um, uh, who's better? And, uh, um, <laughs> But we were so like geeked. like we we had wrote, we had written the, the Hex Files crossover with Jessica Conrad, who's a brilliant writer that's on the show. And uh, and then as we got it, I said like we, we have to get Carl Kolschak in here. We we're, we've gotten this far. Yeah. We, we really, and, and no one's called those names. I mean, it's it's all legal. It's all done just within the, within the shady gray nuance of legality. <laughs> um, and, and, uh, and it was like we we have to get Kolschak in there. So we we we. we we restructured the episode, and and then we were just like, cast the guy, get the wardrobe. It was just like, have you seen Kolchak? Have you seen Kolchak? And when he came on the stand, it was just like this. It was so, so spooky because the guy was so perfect, and it was just like seeing that character on the set was just like, oh my god, we're really doing this. This is crazy. Uh, even more so than Mulder and Scully because it's so iconic. You know, it's, it's, oh, yeah. that outfit is so iconic. And and and, the, and the, the, our crew is it's all fanboys and fangirls, so they they got it. You know, we had the camera and the, we had the clunky tape recorder. We had everything, and it was just sweet. It was just really sweet. Oh my God! Oh, so we're like, as I described, it's it's the show that likes what you like. Yeah. <laughs> the show is as much of a fan of this stuff as you are. That's how I would put it. Excellent. Season four, when uh, James Rockford comes to town and the <laughs> show, right? <laughs> Angel's got in some trouble and he's got to get out of it. I don't know if they've got a. I don't know if they've got the budget for a seventies Firebird though. <laughs> um, we 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 uh, we do blow up a car this season. And, and I think we. I, no, we did. We had a we had a car in the in the first Keckner episode. We had a we had a Camaro. We had a seventies Camaro. We had yeah. Whatever that. Yeah. Whatever. I'm not a car dude. And you've rolled a couple of station wagons. So. <laughs> we blow up some station wagons. We uh, we blow up. Yeah. We blow, we absolutely blow up a car. And uh, you know, as you, when the opportunity presents itself, you'd be a fool not to take it. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, if we have an extra one, I mean, in Rome. I guess the licensing's a little looser in Georgia. We're not blowing your car up because we have to. We're blowing it up because we can. It's because you want to. Yeah. Uh, nice. And we also had the uh, pleasure of speaking with John C. McGinley on Friday. Great guy. Oh, you did? Oh, you talked to John. Yeah, yeah. Great guy. You even busted my balls a little bit. It was great. Um, how was it? Uh, that goes without saying, by the way. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's an honor. I was like, oh. <laughs> How is it uh, w- working with him? Like, like with him as the producer, and he was the creator, as well as like lead actor and so great supporting actor. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, well, John's John is uh, John's terrific because he he is the 
uh, you know, as, as I've said many times, you know, Stan was originally based on my dad, and then John made it a different character because he's not what I wrote. Uh, mm-hmm. I wrote a much older, more sedentary guy that just kind of would tag along and crab about <laughs> what Evie was doing. Uh, it was a much smaller role. It was originally written. I, I, I assumed I was going to do it in prosthetics, and then, and then um, the people at the network quite wisely said, "What if we had a star in the show?" <laughs> and, then, uh, and then it became a different character, became a different show, and I think it became a better show. And John's really good, but he's really not playing. So, but he's not my dad. That, that, that character's not my dad. So uh, the attitude is the same, but the physicality and the virility of it is not what I was thinking of. And it really became, and that's John's look on the show, it became, what if Quint had a daughter? Like, what if Quint was widowed? And, you know, he looks, he's Quint. It's like, yeah. if you look at his facial hair, it's like, oh, that's Quint. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so that that changed, and, and then John and uh, Stan and Evie became much more of a team. Um, but uh, but John as a person is he not only looks exactly like my older brother, he has the same personality as my older brother. So uh, uh, we have a very good uh, rapport. Like you know, I'm I'm, I'm very uh, I, I speak John. You know, and John <laughs> me, so it works really well. Very little in common. He's a giant sports guy. I don't follow sports at all. He's really into working out and weightlifting. I don't, you know, <laughs> I balk at lather, rinse, <laughs> repeat. Why repeat? Why, why repeat? I did it right the first time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How dirty do you think my hair is? Um, Wash twice. <laughs> filthy. Um, Who is this for? <laughs> You had to hide it like Kolchak, so then it was Varney Janetson or something. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the, the, the interesting thing, just the way the, the way the business works, I wrote it for Janet Varney, and I said in the meeting, like, well, Evie is Janet Varney. But, but, but what happens when, when, you, when you do that is that um, the, the network goes, well, let's you know, they feel like, you know, you're not letting them do their job. You know, our job is we put shows together and we cash those. So, uh, you know, you, it, it, you, it's really uh, a disservice to, I mean, I could literally walk in and go, well, Stan's Jack Nicholson and, <laughs> and he wants to do it. And they go, well, let us, let us look at it. It's like, no, we'll, we'll tell you who Stan is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's our money. And that's, and because it's their money. Yeah, and, yeah. We all know what talks and what walks, and that is true. <laughs> um, so Janet came, had to Janet had to come in and audition to play the part of Janet Varney, and came in first and did it. And then we saw every other actress between the ages of thirty and forty that lived in Los Angeles, California. So, like, so like a dozen. Day, yeah. They said, "Yeah, it's Janet. It's it's clearly Janet." And uh, 
So she did win the part of Janet Varney. Yay! <laughs> yeah, uh, it was, it was, uh, you know, it, it, at a certain point it was like, guys, it's her. <laughs> look at it, look at it, it's her, it's her, it's her. Uh, and, uh, but I get it, I, you know, I, I, it's like when you go to a restaurant, it's like going to a restaurant and then the waiter tells you what you're eating. <laughs> like even if it's what you want, you want it to be your decision. So I, I do understand the, the thought process. I believe it's called prefix menu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, John was telling us a story where he was uh, auditioning for, uh, even said in the description, a John McGinley type, and he's like, "That's me. I'm I'm John McGinley." And then I started thinking, "But he's John C. McGinley. Is there like a John R. McGinley out there they specifically yeah, exactly. want?" Or yeah. hey, let us let us. Yeah. Yeah, it's true though. It's uh, it's it's a real pain in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had, you had mentioned originally the character of Stan was supposed to be you in prosthetics. There's still time for Stan to meet his dad in the other world. Yeah, no, Stan ever met his dad, it would have to be uh, Brian Dennehy. Oh yeah! Oh, that would be so good. That'd be awesome. Maybe Kevin yeah, can meet yeah. his dad. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, that would be old Kevin would be. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin well, is gonna go through. I think Kevin's gonna go through a big change if we have a season four. <gasps> say future Kevin sent back through time. Like a life change. Okay. I think. Yeah, we really do. At the end of the third season, you know, if if the if if, if the show was a book. Mm-hmm. Um, the first three seasons would be the first three chapters, and it would be the end of part one. Uh, and, and the second chunk is absolutely part two. Things are different, things change. And I, and I really learned that from, um, from being a, 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 a Doctor Who fan about like how they, you never get really comfortable uh, you know, the minute the minute you get really familiar with something, they change it and challenge you, which I think is great. You can't it, you you can't push it too hard. Audiences need to feel familiarity uh, and mm-hmm. kinship with the characters, and that. but they it never gets to um, it never feels like it falls into uh, being redundant. It always challenges itself to stay fresh. The other show that did that uh, is. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, the, the new one. The new one, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Although now it's old. <laughs> the the uh, ten-year-old <laughs> one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they never, they never, you never felt like they were spinning their wheels. Yeah. That that's how you keep the that just like super dedicated fan base though. I've I have absolutely dropped shows where it's like, well, we're three seasons in and this character has not even learned a lesson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, I got it. I got it. Yeah, I got it. I have to say, I was. Um, I, 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 a show I love, but I also think the like the X Files is like, the, how many goofy ass pregnancies is this woman gonna endure? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. True. Why? Is, I, that's the one critique I have of it. Why is that the plot line they kept running with? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's always, always. always yeah. yeah I, so much of that show is about Julian Anderson's womb. <laughs> yeah, I also feel the same with the uh, supernatural. It's like, how many times can you die and come back and go through hell and come back? And it's like, well, it's, you know, I, I stopped watching Lost very early into Lost. 
when it became apparent that they were making it up as they went. Yeah. <laughs> and what? Because like, oh, okay, no I felt so burned. But you know, and then like, and then, and then to prove that I am incapable of learning a lesson, um, I watched all 18 episodes of the new Twin Peaks, and everything. I was like, oh, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> it'll yeah. it'll wrap it up. Yeah. Fuck, no, 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 Phil, Phil, who? Never mind. Look at that balloon. Boom, boom, boom. Like, I was sad on that couch. I was like, you did it again. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You clever son of a bitch, you. I remember walking out of the movie Lost Highway thinking, what did I ever do to him? What did I ever do to him? And then he did it again. Please, I hope his last words in life is he just suckers. <laughs> 100%. You are now just every, every person who's ever seen a David Lynch movie. Yeah. I think. Yeah. The owls are not what they seem. You know, when there are people out there like, oh, we need season, whatever it is, season four, or season, yeah, season four. We said, why? What do you do? Season four. <laughs> It's like, I got some post-its lying around. I can make a season out of that, I think. Uh, <laughs> you see, can go buy on a pogo stick? Oh, goodness gracious. Old Bill Pullman, a, old Bill Pullman and a Rocky J. Squirrel cap. All right, <laughs> I found this in makeup, but I found this guy wandering on the lot. Let's put him in. <laughs> and well, somebody told me a story. So I know someone who knew who knew who knew Mark Frost, and this is so. This is secondhand. This is what my friend said. Mark Frost told him. I knew we were in trouble when I saw the cream corn. <laughs> this is a little kid is holding the cream corn yeah. in his hands, and it became Garmin Bosium. Yeah. And uh, and I said, uh, well, I'm looking at the dailies, and I said, Hey, David, what's with the cream corn? That wasn't in the script. And uh, David Lynch said, well, we had it for lunch, and I thought it looked great. Oh. Okay, oh. here we go. <laughs> oh. Strap in, everybody. <laughs> I see. <laughs> and he's looking at listings for houses. <laughs> like, <laughs> going to have to downsize. Now on a yacht. So, uh, Mr. Gould, uh, you want to tell us a little bit about Planet of the Apes Visionaries, which I have here in my hand, and it's amazing! Uh, Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Uh, That was um, one of those things where uh, uh, I got an email from uh, Daphna Plevin at Boom Comics out of the the blue, Um, and um, she's like, we own the Planet of the Apes licensing from Fox, and, and we wanted to talk to you about it. And I was like, you know, I was like, I, I, I originally thought they wanted me to, like, host an event or something, or you know, or, 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 or moderate a panel. Like, I, I, I thought it was, like, maybe they were, they're doing a panel at Comic-Con, they were going to moderate it. Just, I really didn't know what it was about. So I, I said, yeah, hey, how are you? And and she said, like, are, are, are you, you know, are you familiar with the, the, the Rod Serling drafts? And I own them. I said, yeah, I've read, I have them. I have them both. But, um, uh, they're, they're great. She goes, well, we we want to adapt them as a graphic novel, and we thought that you'd be the guy to do it. And, and it was like, we want to talk to you about maybe adapting it as a graphic novel, and sign up right away. And I was immediately like, 
Okay, be cool. <laughs> I don't seem too eager. Uh, and and uh, and uh, you know it was and and they came and uh, I ended up uh, getting you know getting the gig. And um, I did feel like I, I I'd never written a graphic novel before and I didn't know the the format and there was a lot about the process that I learned. Uh, and they were very patient with me, but uh, you know I'm a I'm a giant Apes fan, obviously, and I'm, and separate of Apes, I'm a giant Rod Serling fan. Uh, so I did feel that I could be uh, that I would I was at least qualified to protect his work and and not think it was about me. Uh, and, and so to that end, I didn't. I didn't feel. I, I always looked. I always looked at the uh, the job as a, sort of like a caretaker. Like I, I'm going to take Rod Serling's script and I'm going to kind of pare it down and and present it to me. Um, and what was interesting about it, as somebody who knows the movie backwards and forwards, um, was in seeing Rod Serling's original draft. It, it's such a different story. Uh, I mean, it's the same scene. The scenes are the same. The the structure of the piece is 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 basic is virtually identical, but it, it it's told in a completely different way. The lead character is a much different character than Taylor. It's a guy named Thomas, and he's not the raging asshole <laughs> Taylor is. He's actually quite affable and and, and empathetic, uh, and which changes the story and. Um, because it takes place in a modern-day city, and it's, it's quite literally a mirror of our world. It, it's literally a mirror. Uh, in the story, you don't get that crazy Tarzan feel. Uh, it, it, it's, you, don't, you don't have that action-adventure stripe that made every 12-year-old boy go, ban go bananas, no pun intended, for this, for this project. And, and, and that... Um, it, it, it became apparent to me that it was it was a political thriller. It really played to me like Seven Days in May, the the movie that Sterling wrote about um, the military coup of the U.S. government. It came out after I think it came out after Manchuria Candidate. I think it's from about '65. John Frankenheimer directed, mm. and um, and uh, so it was really interesting uh, just to see to, to tell the story in a very different way. Was uh, was was really uh, fun and, and really fascinating and so rewarding and just to just to see my name and Rod Serling's name on the same piece of paper isn't <laughs> something that I just doodled in a notebook uh, <laughs> is, is is insane you know that's just craziness yeah it's in people's homes yeah it's in people's homes that is no business being real it's so yeah. wonderful, and everybody needs to go over to DanaGould.com to get their autograph copy. Yeah, yeah. go to DanaGould.com, and uh, you, I, it just all, there's a link on my website that will put you to Boom Studios, which is where you can buy them. I'm not like out here shocking my own copy. <laughs> oh, you don't just have a pile. There's not just a pile in the corner of your living room. <laughs> no, I do have a couple left. <laughs> the rest are in the trunk. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I do. I have one. I have one on my desk because, um, you know, I'm working on this. I'm working on another project right now, another television project. Ooh. Um, 
just a pilot idea that I'm developing. And, you know, every time you write something, you go, oh, this is crap. Oh, no one's going to understand this. Oh, this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I will look at that book and go, now, crazier things have happened. <laughs> just keep going, you know. Uh, you know, so that's uh, and, and I always remember doing the, another thing about specifically with television, like you see the show Lucifer, and Lucifer was on like two years ago. I've never seen it. Yeah. But I, you know, I do know that it's about the devil, and he's a cop. Wait, <laughs> wait, it's about what now? <laughs> the devil comes to earth. The devil comes to earth. No. Um, yeah. Working with like a female partner. And I haven't seen it, but I'm like, if you can put that on the air, uh, I can't come up with anything that I'm embarrassed about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Thanks for that. You know, it's like, I want to, you know, it's like you work on these ideas and then you see, like, what's the new show about? Um, oh, it takes place in a hospital. <gasps> Whoa. What? Wow, what? Fresh ground. <laughs> you know, it's like, I wouldn't have the gall. I wouldn't have the gall to go into a meeting and go, it's a bunch of doctors and there's an hospital. Now, so, now wait, there's some drama. Yeah, exactly. Whatever the one is called Amsterdam, New Amsterdam or something. It's oh, the same. oh my God. <laughs> it, and it's just like, I would not have the gall to pitch that. A renegade doctor who plays by his own rules, that's all I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm waiting like three episodes in like House teleports into the hospital And he's like, what's going on here? Yeah, it's like Yeah, I can't I can't, I can't go down yeah. that yeah, okay. yeah. It's like Grey's Anatomy But they're all kaiju <laughs> yeah, Sure, sure yeah, Why not? Yeah. I can dig it <laughs> it's, just a, it's an emergency room Staffed by otters <laughs> Wait, wait, did we tell you about our graphic novel that we're working on? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, and it's also one of those things where it's like I I, I can see it as being like inspirational because like even even Rod Serling got kicked off the Twilight Zone and stuff like that eventually. Like, oh yeah, no, it's yeah. You just have to keep you just have to keep pounding, and and, and it's all about it, so much of the business it has nothing to do with what is on the page. It's really just are you confident enough to sell it. Do you yeah. just have enough audacity to go in there? This is the greatest thing ever. Boom. <laughs> and, and you have to be okay with it. You know, it's like, I have a lot of friends that are writers uh, that are infuriated. I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Uh, God rest his soul, Harlan Ellison. Harlan was always infuriated that the business wasn't a meritocracy. That it was, the best people get the most stuff, and that's how it works. It's like, really? You so you're surprised that there's <laughs> politics, that there's politics in this business. Like, you're, you know, it's like you're still waiting for human behavior to be different. <laughs> man up, man up. Yeah. But I mean, we're in a um, new millennium. It's, it's Joe business. It's a business. <laughs> Why did they make Planet of the Apes? Because they thought they could make money. Oh, yeah. And they did enough for uh, what? Four sequels? Five sequels? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just so it's so funny. I for for lack of a this apropos of nothing. I was just watching of all things a documentary on the making of Batman Returns. Yeah. Ooh. The dark, which is you know again my favorite Batman 
Oh, our suit. Yep, our suit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that in Dark Knight, you know. <laughs> and, and by the way, the, one of the villains from that movie is now the president. That's another thing. <laughs> At the time, Christopher Walken's character was based on Donald Trump. It was like he was this, this rich builder. It's like literally one of the guys. Is the, but um, they, they talk about the they talk about the first test screening of the movie in like Irvine and they like it's just a bunch of kids and their parents and when the lights came up they looked like they'd been punched in the face <laughs> <laughs> it was like Dana Gould at the end of Lost Highway what did I do to you <laughs> <laughs> at the end of Scrambo when they showed the original first draft the first cut of Conquest of the Planet of the Apes uh, literally at the end there was first running out of the theater with their kids. <laughs> <laughs> Get them out of here! Get them out of here! <laughs> See, if they'd been my parents, they would have sat there and been like, no, we paid for this, so we're staying, and they would have been like, this is why we don't pay for a movie. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm like that now. I don't pay for movies. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was, there was a, I did a show... It was me and, 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 and Bobcat Goldthwait were uh, doing stand-up, and, and one of the hosts of the show, I, I don't know, was, I don't recall who it was, but he was talking about how only a dummy would pay to see a movie, you can get them all on BitTorrent. Yeah, that a thing? that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and he was cool. like, yeah, the only idiot would pay for a movie. You can get a brand mentor. And then Bob went on and said, you know, I have to say, I, I make my own movies and I struggle for financing. And I just wanted to say, whatever the guy's name is, he goes, that guy's an asshole. You know what happens if people don't make money on movies? Eventually there are no more no movies. movies. Right? Yeah. They only do it yeah. for money. They're not doing it yeah, just because exactly. they like you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, he was, uh, it was just, it is that sense of entitlement. Like, shouldn't this very expensive art form be free for me? Well, yeah, I mean, duh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Michael Bay does it, then I should see it for free, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's yeah, got plenty of money. Yeah, I shouldn't have to pay. <laughs> Well, well. Speaking of movies you'd pay to watch, uh, we asked you yeah. what some of your favorite movies and stuff were. You know, growing up, getting into the business and stuff. And the one you really want to talk about was American Werewolf in London. One of my favorites. Yes, I did. Although I could, yeah, specifically because I can no longer talk about Planet of the Apes. I think there are, you know, there are certain movies that just resonate with you so strongly. Um, and for me, it would, you know, it's, it's obviously Planet of the Apes, uh, uh, Ed Wood, and Plan 9, both uh, are incredibly important to me. I would, I would take both of them to a, a desert island. Um, uh, and, and, and American uh, Werewolf in London uh, is, is also uh, one of those, one of those films. And then and, and and the fifth, I would probably say the Night Stalker TV movie. Yeah. Um, other movies are just like, you know, they're not the greatest movies of all time, but they're the ones that I, I hold very near and dear. Um, and American World in London was was one of the first times I saw it. I saw it, I was in 11th grade when it came out. I was an usher at the movie theater, so I saw it for free. I just walked in. <laughs> um, 
And I remember really specifically, it was the night before my PSATs. I don't remember that year. Your pre-SATs? Yeah. yeah. It, was me and, uh, it was me and a couple of my friends went the night before our PSATs. And, but I was like, right out of the gate, watching it, I was like, oh, this was made just for me. <laughs> <laughs> like, it star- I think it starts with Bobby Vinton singing Blue Moon. Yeah. And I was like, they didn't start it with scary music. They started it with like something congruous. And I was only 15 or 16 at the time. But I was like, wow, I get this. I totally get what they're doing. And, and, and the fact that the, the guys were funny, and, but funny in a natural, like they knew that they could be funny and scary in the same thing, which I've always said like, that would be the one thing I would love to do is do a thing where it's scary and then funny and then funny and then scary and finally it, it took me a long enough time but I finally did it and and, 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 and yeah just watching the movie it's just every frame of that it's like Matt Weinhold who does the podcast Monster Party we were talking about some terrible kaiju film and he said that every frame of that movie is a love letter to me and, and, and that's what I felt about American Wolf of London. I was like, yeah, this is absolute. This movie, this movie gets me a hundred percent. It's not only scary, it's funny. It's scary in a smart way. It's funny in a smart way, and it it knows that I and 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 it is a horror movie that loves horror movies. You know, they talk about other horror movies in this horror movie, which is which is great. And and I stole that tone lock, stock, and barrel uh, <laughs> for standing against evil, you know. And you should spread it around. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Stan has a long monologue in the third season about how great Ingrid it is. There's no <laughs> way he would know who Ingrid is, but I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Stan is a, a, a vault of very weird, specific information. Um, but, That's what uh, makes yeah, him so good. It was the, the fact that they were rapidly, did you ever see the Wolfman? The one with Oliver Reed? No, no, the other one. Like the fact that they said that in a movie, that they were talking about movies in a movie, was was crazy. Nobody talks about movies in movies. And they, it was the first time I'd ever seen that done. And it was like, can they do that? Is that possible? <laughs> it was like, it was like when the, it was like at the beginning of Pulp Fiction when they were talking about how a TV pilot is made. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this Fox Force Five. When's this coming out? I gotta see this. <laughs> on this here podcast and I was the one who defended it just because 
I, that movie does not work, and I think no, that's one of the reasons. Of Ghostbusters three. Oh, it is. See, that's the thing. I think I just really... They're peanut butter and mayonnaise. And then the rest of this movie is also more peanut butter and mayonnaise. And so it's just kind of like watching like a train wreck, but like that hasn't stopped burning yet. To that end, Ghostbusters should not work, but it does work. But it's perfect. Well, it hasn't worked because you point a camera at Bill Murray and it works. And Harold Ramis is an amazing writer. I've a couple of movies like that because I'm always talking about this because everything I do is a hybrid. Um, the show I'm coming up with now is, is, a, is a hybrid, um, and and it's uh, it's always uh, you know Ghostbusters is it, on paper it shouldn't work but it does work, but and it works because of Bill Murray, mm-hmm. and and Beetlejuice shouldn't work because it but it does work because of Michael Keaton and Tim Burton when he was trying. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's one of it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Big Trouble in yeah. Little China should not work, but it, it does. God damn it, it does. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, there are, but those are the exceptions that, mm-hmm. that prove the rule in my book. But uh, so back to American Werewolf in London. Yeah. It's funny. My experience watching it, it was very similar to yours. But later, um, I when I was a kid, all I wanted in life was a dog. We could not get a dog. I asked for a dog. My parents got me a goat. <laughs> but could not have a dog. I was upset. Never heard that. <laughs> dog, but we could have two goats. <laughs> That's insane. And where did you live? A little tiny town outside of Sacramento, California. What's it called? It's called Orangevale. Um, I I wanted a dog. All I would draw were dogs and wolves. And uh, <laughs> I can't remember if it was AMC or TMC, but every October you used to do a thing where they would marathon horror movies, and they would do them all in a row. They'd do all the vampire movies in a row, and they would do all the werewolf movies in a row, and they'd do all the witch movies in a row. And it was one of my favorites, and I was just, like, binge-watching all the werewolf movies because they were guys who turned into dogs, so, like, why not? This is the greatest thing in the world. And my dad was like, oh, you haven't seen the best werewolf movie yet, American Werewolf in London. Uh I have that on Betamax I taped off of Showtime. (laughs) And he dug Uh in the Betamax box. And we pulled it out. We played it because we still he still to this day has his Betamax player because he's still convinced it's the best format. We, well, we also had the Laserdisc, but that's another story. Wow, wow, um, good for you. But yeah, uh, we <laughs> I watched that movie and I, I had that same thing. My sister was just like, "Oh, this is stupid," and I'm just like, "No, this is great." My dad's right. This is the greatest werewolf movie. That's so cool. Your dad was your dad was into that. Well, my my dad was into weird, obscure films. Like he did a little bit of special effects work, blowing cars up in that, like in the early '60s, late '70s in San Francisco. Um, he worked for a junkyard that would supply cars and um, <laughs> to blow up, and like he helped. He worked for a junkyard. He loved horror movies. The coolest in the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
He also toured with uh, Uriah Heep and Buddy Miles, but he lived an interesting life. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just like it instantly became one of my favorite movies. And when I when I wore the Betamax out, he went ahead and got it for me on VHS because <laughs> he found oh, it at Costco. Oh. <laughs> As for me, um, I watched American Werewolf in Paris first because it was the te- I was a teenager when it came out, and so everybody's like, yeah. Godfather three before you watch the Godfather exactly." And, and so then someone's like, "Oh, you need to watch the original." And I'm like, "I'm good." Yeah, yeah, one of those guys, unfortunately. But but I watched it uh, non TV edit, all that for the first time. What about a year, year and a half yes, ago? He was like, Fantastic. "Oh, I've seen that movie." But this sweet man grew up in Utah and watched the Utah TV edit of American Werewolf in London. So he had not seen. Yeah, a couple of guys went to a bar, got lost. He woke up in a hospital for some reason. Nobody knows why. His face looks like a vampire for about five seconds. It's it's like forty five minutes. It's it's not the best. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that. The Utah television edit of an American movie. Yeah. <laughs> like a local horror movie host. Or it's like, oh, it's real scary movie. Smokes. But not too scary. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Unfortunately not. Terrifying movie, The Boy Who Drank Soda. It was caffeinated. Oh, God. He also watched... I can't even imagine that. Oh, worse than that, he had only seen the Utah TV edit of Blazing Saddles until about a year ago as well. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't, I, I can't even yeah. imagine that. Oh, we got three minutes into the movie, and he looked at me, and he's like, I have not seen this movie. Not even a little bit. <laughs> All, all I knew was there was a dance number in it somewhere, and that was it. <laughs> Everything else was like... And that they ate beans and farted. Yeah. Yes, yeah, in the fart. Count Basie was in the desert, that's all I knew. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, American World from London, absolutely spectacular, and like every scene holds up. And I've shown it to people and they go, oh, it's, it's so dated. And I'm like, it's period piece, shut up. <laughs> I, don't see, I don't even see how it... How is it dated outside of just, I guess, clothes and stuff? I think that uh, yeah, I, I, and I think that incredible uh, porn theater they go into is a little dated. Um, yeah, and honestly, I really want to see the rest of that porn. I'm, I'm kind of gripped by the story of what's going on there, the, the, the pesos behind it. See you next Wednesday. Yeah. Yes. No, I'm sorry, you have the wrong number. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. But again, like not not only what was like like it also especially like when I saw I was fifteen sixteen years old, you know, if Jenny Agater in that movie is like every little white boy's dream. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, I was never in like the, the the like she was gorgeous, but also like gorgeous in an in an almost attainable way. It wasn't <laughs> like you know the super blonde. You know, yeah. whatever. It was like, you, yeah, yeah, it'd be nice to go to the moon, too. This could almost happen. Yeah, she's girl next door pretty. Like, as a, like, yeah. 12-year-old, I only think of, I was, like, must have been, like, eight when my dad pulled that out, because appropriate, you know, children, children's movie. Yeah, it was just one of those things where it's like, oh, there's there's hope for this chubby little brunette. <laughs> I might yeah. be able to grow up and go for a walk. <laughs> Yeah, the, 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 I'm, I'm looking online for, to get the name. Like, the analogy was, she wasn't uh, Lonnie Anderson from WKRP. She was uh, Bailey Quarters. There we go. 
she was the brunette in the class. Like, yes, this could happen. I could do this. <laughs> That's the one I might be able to meet in a bar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was her. Her name was her name was Jan Smithers, and she played Bailey Quarters on WKRP. It was like, yeah, she looks like a person. <laughs> And they're talking about doing the reboot with uh, Max Landis kind of taking over as writer and director. Are you... Uh... Oh, well, at least they're keeping it in the family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are, are you hesitant about that? I don't know. I didn't know, they were planning, I didn't know they were planning on rebooting it, but it's not the... You know, it's, there's... It, there, there are way, I mean, Max is incredibly talented, and there are ways to do it uh, and, and, and keep it... Uh, keep it... In, you know, keep it keep it interesting i think the, i think the thing to do is not try to remake it i yeah. think you know to come up with a different story that's that's uh that uh takes advantage you know that takes advantage of uh the modern world and you know that make it relevant to today I yeah like keep it in the universe but just like make it its own story yeah yeah, yeah. i i just had a thought mm-hmm. since it did chronicle the found footage thing do you think that'll Oh, found footage werewolf movie. Found, ooh, found footage well, found practical footage effects. Werewolf, like, so my... I would like to follow like the, and this is sort of the howling, like the the, the werewolves from Things We Do in the Shadows, like like mm-hmm. like, yeah. like because werewolves, I want like would they come together? Would they, you know, would there would there be a support group for people that were like there were werewolves but they didn't want to kill people, and so like all right, when it's a full moon, we have people that will come and make sure that we're locked up. Like there are there are, there are, there are stories to tell. There are stories to tell. Yeah, hey, they're pack animals. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and that's just it. In the movies, yeah, in the in the movies, there uh, it's always the lone one, and everybody knows like the lone animal is the one that's the most dangerous. Maybe when they're in packs, they're just fine. But <laughs> <laughs> they're just preoccupied. Yeah, they're busy like figuring out the social structure. They're too busy yeah. to kill people. Ooh, I- tearing up the gar- tearing up. Garbage. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, all right, guys, full moon tonight. You know what that means? We get really drunk, <laughs> like so drunk, we'll turn and we'll just nap through it. They become so drunk that they became incapacitated. So when they were werewolves, they we just couldn't get out of the building. <laughs> there's a lot of things that you can, you know, there's a lot of ways you can go with it. It's, I mean, that's a beautiful thing about werewolves, and uh, that it's a, it's. Uh, it lends, it's like dinosaurs, it lends itself to a lot of uh, uh, different types of uh, stories. Like, yeah, people would exploit it. it. You know, it can tell a story about addiction. It can tell a story about, uh, you know, bureaucracy. It can tell mm-hmm. a story about the militarization of the police department. Like, whatever you want to <laughs> yeah. use werewolves as a stocking horse to get to get through that. You know, I, think, I think that's... Uh, one of the best things about it. I didn't know that that was happening. Is that like a current thing? Uh, yeah, it's, it's something like it's on IMDb. It's been kind of rumored for like a year and it, it was kind of like when John Landis died, everybody was kind of like, oh man, I love American Werewolf in London. It should totally reboot it. And then it's like... He didn't die. John or, didn't die. Or what? <laughs> maybe, or maybe it was Rick Baker. It's, I don't it's know. all Never, on the oh internet. My God. It's all on the internet. It's all on the internet. What can I say? No, John's on the John's a friend of mine. I wouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, internet! <laughs> you, you can go straight to the source and find out if these are just internet rumors or yeah. if this is real. Yeah, no, John's around. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's get him on the phone right now. Let's figure this all out. Yeah, you can interview him. Yeah, you can fix that. He, <laughs> no, he just produced a movie called uh, "I Hate Kids" that just came out. Yes. <laughs> I mean, title yeah. tells me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's no yeah. kids today need to know they suck. And it stars. It stars the it stars the lead of an American Werewolf in Paris, oddly enough. Oh, Tom Everett Scott? 
Right, yeah, it starts Tom Ever Scott, but he oh, yeah. pulls it against him. God bless him. Nice, yeah, yeah, same when you were talking about, like, the, you can tell what CGI from, you know, 15 years ago and stuff, like, oh, it's so it instantly awful. pops it's so in. <laughs> awful. It's, it, it's so awful when you see it now. It, it's just like, um, it, it, there's a flatness and they, uh, ugh. Yeah. It's super bad. Super bad. Yeah, that's why I like watching the original. I was like, "Oh, this is ten times better." How, how could I screw that? It, it like like Blues Brothers and Blues Brothers two thousand in a way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, another Blues Brothers two thousand reference. <laughs> yeah. So, what are you gonna do? Yeah. So you mentioned you have other projects going on. Any others you 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 can share with? I know with the pilot, it's kind of still in the works. Uh, yeah, no, the pilot is just in the, uh, the, the, the uh, there's a movie I'm, I'm finishing work on a, on a, on what would be a big movie, um, I, we can't announce it until it's greenlit, but I actually think it's gonna get greenlit, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sequel to a very popular movie that's, that hasn't had a sequel in a long time, let's see, we're gonna make another one, and I'm working with the original writer, and, uh, when this, uh, if it gets announced, I think it's going to get announced, and uh, we can talk about it. If not, nope. And um, uh, then, uh, yeah, I'm working on another uh, television show that hopefully will sell. And then, uh, you know, uh, if Standing Against if, if Standing Against Evil gets uh, picked up for a fourth season, I'll do that. And if this one gets picked up, I'll do both. And if one or the other, and, you know, uh, I like to stay busy. I like to keep going. And my podcast is still chugging along. Yeah. Cool hour. Never, Never, month, an Never an hour. <laughs> yes. Fantastic. And you got the Halloween episode coming up soon. Yeah, I have September's, which is still coming out, and then uh, I'll get Halloween right off a little bit after that. Uh, whoa, whoa, September's whoa. September's is uh, cutting it now, and then, uh, and then I'll have the Halloween one. Is this the first so time we'll, we get a September and an October episode? <laughs> well, no, it'll be uh, the, the... Usually they come out at the end of the month, so the Halloween one will come out earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have uh, I, I I interviewed Wayne Kramer from MC5 mm-hmm. and Matt Bronger about his new podcast called Advice from a Dipshit, and, uh, <laughs> and that's coming out uh, in about a week to ten days. And then Halloween will come out in the right around the middle of October. Awesome! Get a little bit of a bonus. Oh. Halloween's always ginormous. Oh yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I still have the three and a half hour one from last year, and it, it, just listen to it over again. I think Mike Mendez was on it, like you mentioned earlier. Yeah, he might and, be on it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> always good, always good. I, yeah. I don't know who's on it. I have ideas of. Uh, I I I uh, I know uh, I, I know who I want on it. I have to see if it's schedules working. Not going to oh, help. I promise you, I'll get somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I think I could handle like three hours of Dana Gold and Eddie Pepitone just talking about horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> three hours of me and Eddie Pepitone talking about avocados would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have such good chemistry together. I love it. Yeah, he's a he's he's a true improviser in the sense like he he goes after everything. He leaves nothing. He leaves no meat on the bone. You know, he, nice. he dives in full, full force every time. Excellent. And do you have um, uh, uh, tour dates coming up? I know you're coming to San Francisco in December. But. I am coming to San Francisco in December. I'm going to be in uh, my friends in Massachusetts. Uh, I will be at the Norwood Theater on October 5th. And then in November, I'm going to be, hang on, let me just look. 
while I'm since I'm schlepping away here. In November, I'm going to be in Atlanta at the Laughing Skull on uh, November 8th, 9th, and 10th. And I'll be in Minneapolis at the Acme Comedy Company November 15th, 16th, and 17th. And then I'll be in Philadelphia at the Funny Bone the 29th, 30th, and the 1st of December. And then I go, and then I go to the Punchline after that. Yeah, yeah we'll be there. <laughs> Punchline. I think it's December 9th. And it's usually you know, first or yeah, second, second, week of second week of December. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> yeah, got all that. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, and of course, again, season three, Stand Against Evil, coming out on Halloween on IFC. Yes, it's a that's channel. That's right. <laughs> We're, very, we're very, excited. Yeah. very excited. Cool. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, thank you yeah, so much. Thanks. Thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. And I hope to see you. Let me know when this goes up, and I'll and I'll plug it, and I will see you in uh, in December, I hope. Oh, yeah, we should. Uh, Mr. Gould, can I just ask one favor real quick? Yeah, sure, of course. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, can I get a, uh, hi, I'm Dana Gould, and you're listening to Everything I Learned From Movies? Yeah, you everything I learn everything I know I learned from movies. Uh, everything I learned from movies. Okay, great. Sure, I'll do it right now. All right. Um, Hi, this is Dana Gould, and you're listening to Everything I Learned from Movies on your radio or computer. Let me do that again. Okay. Hi, this is Dana Gould, and you're listening to Everything I Learned from Movies on your radio, phone, computer, television, or record player. Thank you so much! Oh, my God! <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you, sir. <laughs> uh, I, do. I will touch you guys soon. Okay. Good. Well, I don't know your dad, but I do know that John Landis is alive. So we've yeah. <laughs> yeah, all right. Thank, thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> Ooh, excellent. That's that's two like thumbs up in a row. Super cool. All right. Well, I will uh, I will speak with you guys soon. And you had mentioned yeah. bef- uh, as I've mentioned before, if there's anything in my shop, Steve will send you the link. I do the art stuff. Uh, if you want, just message Steve what you want, and I can send it to you. If the girls hey, want anything, it. have a little shopping spree on it. That would be great. You know, I have your, uh, your in my face. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you so um, much. Okay. Yeah, I'm off to work. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Thank Bye. you. Have a good one, sir. Okay. Bye. 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 <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Steve's cynical. That's my spirit animal. <laughs> uh, he's an American treasure. Uh... Yeah, so that was Dana Gould. John Landis uh, is still alive. John Landis is still alive. <laughs> Steve apparently misread something, or maybe it was him retiring or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think somebody on that crew passed away in that. Yeah, like, like Rick it. Baker or something. Yeah. We'll have to Google it. <laughs> See, as you can tell, no studying. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We can, we had it confirmed once again that evolution is not a good movie. <laughs> Well, I'm glad I got some celebrity gravitas behind my argument. But, uh, I agree that's not a good movie, but I, thought, uh, I still enjoy it. I'm the person who's still buying it on Amazon. <laughs> but yeah, of course, if you like this and more interviews, mm-hmm. uh, we got plenty of them. We're on Patreon. We're on Twitter, Facebook, all that fun stuff. At... at? E-I-L-F Movies. That's everything I learned from movies. movies. And uh, our main website is eilfm.podbean.com. Yeah. Uh, all the podcatchers. Uh, my lovely wife makes art. I do, yes. If you need some super cute enamel pins, 
Uh, is this coming up for Halloween? Yeah. Uh, for Halloween, I have these super adorable black cat pins where the cat's body is purple glitter, so I guess it's not really a black cat. But it's got all the moon phases that glow in the dark. It's only $12 or two for 20 at untidyvenus.etsy.com. That's a goddess who's bad at housekeeping.etsy.com. Yeah, so until next time, I'm Steve. And I am completely overwhelmed. <laughs> and this is Everything, Everything I, I Learned from Movies. <laughs> Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> Rod Serling, Planet of the Apes, Dana Gould, like, oh, my worlds are exploding, and oh my god, Steve. <laughs> oh my god, this is everything I love. Yeah, yeah. Everything! Yeah. <laughs> and get that uh, autographed copy now, huh? I have an unautographed copy so that I can actually, like, touch it. I need an autographed one so I can, like, frame it. Yeah, we'll take it in December when we see him. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shit, are we still recording? <laughs> have a good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Hi, this is Dana Gould, and you're listening to Everything I Learned from Movies on your radio, phone, computer, television, or record player.